All right, so we've got Natalia sharing with us this morning. Hi, Natalia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would let her share, but um, the reason, part of the reason why I invited Natalia is um, for some of you who are here we, over our summer sessions um, in between Christmas and New Year's, no, when we started again, Natalia, Natalia shared a message, and it was, it was really, really awesome, really profound, and, um, and so I've kind of asked you to share it again. But it feels like the timing, the timing is right. Like um, we're, you know, in a sense, today is the end of the first half of the year, and next week is the beginning of the next half of the year. And it also feels like we're in a kind of a new, a new beginning in, in the sense of we've had, uh, you know, a period of lockdown and everything like that, and and the world seems to be in a in a state of, um, uh, I guess, uncertainty and upheaval. And it felt like a really cool time to sort of revisit. Uh, what Natalia spoke about. So uh, thanks, Natalia. Thanks for agreeing to speak today. I'll pray for you, eh? Yeah. Lord Jesus, thank you for, for these words that you've, um, that you've spoken to Natalia. And I pray this morning that you would, uh, you would bless her, you'd strengthen her. And, and for us uh, as a congregation, that you'd give us hearts to hear what you're saying and you'd reveal yourself to us, your truth to us. Um, and, and you'd... Um, Lord, I pray for seeds this morning, things that we would be able to go away with, that, uh, seeds that would grow into something beautiful in our lives, and to bless your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks. Um, so, yeah, to those of you who had were here for those summer sessions, it is a little bit different, so hopefully there's something um, for you in this space. Um, I hope it blesses you and encourages you. So today we're going to go through a bit of a metaphorical pofiri. The pofiri is a beautiful ceremony and tradition, and it's um, I'm using this in a way to to get us um, into the the next space and help us to walk through into the, to the next place that God, um, I believe, God has for us. It says in the last days. The mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and peoples will stream to it. Many nations will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. We all know um, the significance, I assume, of the, the mountains and the, um, the high points. And we're one of the nations coming, coming forward. And I pray that we're coming, saying, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, that we may walk in his paths. So we'll start with um, a prayer before we head on the journey. Um, it's always important to have an annoy. Um, grace, grace, grace. Te aroha noa. Oh Lord, let us hear your voice today, your wisdom. Teach us to walk in faith, love, and hope, to walk in your way today. Amen. 
So right now we're just standing at the crossroads and it says in Jeremiah 6.16, we're asking for the ancient paths. We're asking where the good way is. We want to walk in it. We want to find rest for our souls. As we start to walk, the tangata whenua um, lay down the wero. There are three rakau, three parts for us to pick up. Last week, Fenna talked about the practical, mental, and physical challenge to run a marathon, to go deeper. We see the three parts of the Holy Spirit, of, of God. The Holy Spirit, which speaks um, to, the, um, to our souls, that speaks spirit to spirit. The God, the Father. And then we see Jesus there personified, bringing all those three parts to life for us. So as we go deeper, this is where the uncomfortable conversation in ourselves start. This is where we have to throw off everything that hinders us. Um, I believe Anna read this last week, um, Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us, the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So now I just want you to think about all the baggage that you might have picked up over the week, over the months, over the years. We're letting go of those, letting go of those, emptying your hands so we can pick up the three raka, faith, hope, and love. As we walk towards it, we hear the karanga. The karanga is called, it's, this is where God calls to us, deep to deep. It's an invitation to rest, an invitation to discipleship, and an invitation to live in God's kingdom. They're not my invitations, they're given by Jesus himself. The person who calls knows how to prepare the faranui properly. They ensure the food is prepared, that there's enough for everyone. It's all clean, it's all tidy, the bed's ready, there's enough beds for everyone. So that when the manahiri come, when we come, that everything will be ready for us, there will be place for us. We have been promised to come near, that if we come near to him, he will come near to us. We have been promised that Christ has gone ahead to prepare a place for us. He is the tangata whenua who makes the way for us. The way, the truth, the life. These are the things that we have to look forward to. But our Abba Father also calls us by name. The name only God knows, our true identity. 
And that is what we are listening for. Listen for your name being called. Keep listening because he has prepared things for you to do. Things for us to do. Listen. He's calling us into those things deep, calling unto deep. The karanga resounds, calling out the faith, the hope, and the love in us. No man or woman has ever found complete rest apart from Christ. To the multitudes of distress, the troubled and weary, he beckons, come unto me, and I will give you rest. So we respond. I respond the only way I can. I say, yes, Lord. And as the karanga is called, as the Holy Spirit calls us, we walk to the meeting place. We keep our eyes fixed on the Lord Most High. At times we pause and reflect on Christ's sacrifice, his miraculous birth, the incarnation, his incredible life, his miraculous life, and his miraculous resurrection from death. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that through his resurrection, we can trust in him alone. We are invited to meet with God and we are invited into his kingdom. It's all been a little bit solemn and serious this bit. But as we come to the next bit... the um, hakapofuri is performed. It's a celebratory dance by the Tangata Whenua, the people of the land. The Lord loves to welcome and to lead us in dance. That is his, his way of doing things over and over and over. We see this in the Bible. Miriam danced, leading the peoples toward the promised land. David danced as he brought the Ark of Covenant into Jerusalem. In Zephaniah, we see the Lord sings and dances over us, over you. The Hebrew word is kiel. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it is a joyful and exuberant, almost violent whirl, kind of thinking of the wheel going round and round, spinning. Um, If you're thinking of something like the whirling dervish, um, if any of you have heard of that, you may know what I'm talking about. I've chosen these pictures here as they perform um, dances that are special to me and I think sum up some of this. At the top, there is the traditional haka. It's a beautiful display of fierce passion. The second is a circle dance being performed at a wedding in the Toda village in my town, hometown in India. Um, again, the dance gets faster and faster. It is intricate and beautiful. It is traditionally performed by the men, um, and it is, um, it's beautiful and rhythmical with a wonderful chant that goes with it. And finally, we have a traditional Rajasthani dance with sword and shield, where they will eventually very, very fast again with their um, the skirts of their coats flying around them. They dance with the sword and shield and the way they control their swords and their shield is so precise. It shows their agility, their speed, their control. In dancing, they show how well and how, how ready they are to fight. 
But it is the dancing that shows the agility. It is the dancing that shows um, their prowess. And this is the same in all three of these dances. And this is our God. He's our savior. He's our rescuer. He fights for us, but he absolutely loves us. And when we come to him, he delights in us. And as we come, we bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. As we come forward, we remove our shoes and sit, for we are on holy ground. And we listen to what our host has to say. So we come to the Correro and the Waiata. First of all, the host speaks. No man or woman has ever found complete rest apart from Christ. To the multitudes of distressed, troubled, and weary, he beckons, Come unto me, and I'll give you rest. For many of us, our experience of over lockdown and coming out of it has been a chance to pause, to reconsider. Do you know rest, joy, security, peace, affection? Do you know what it means to belong? True freedom comes from knowing who you are and whose we are. You have to be very careful about the labels that you allow to be used to identify you. There are only certain people who can call me certain things. When, you know, my kids call me mum, when the students call me mum, they often get very embarrassed. It happens fairly often. <laughs> but that's because that's, that's not a label of who I am to them. That label is very special. There's only four people who, am I, who I am mum to. And who gets to call me mum. So be very, very careful. Know who you are and speak and respond out of that place. Knowing who you are means that you do not need to be defensive or offended by what other people say. We're in a culture which loves to take offense. Yet as Christians, we can choose not to take offense. We don't need to be defensive when people attack. Well, this is what Christians think even, even if that is a label that I wear. Because I know what it means to be in Christ. I don't have to worry and I don't need to be offended or be defensive about what other people say about my God and about his people. He says that he will defend them. He will defend his name. I can answer questions, and I need to be ready to answer questions, but it doesn't need to come from a place of defensiveness. I'm emphasizing this because this is something I'm still learning. You think you've got rid of those labels, and then something, and you go, why am I being so defensive? And you realize you're not strong in that area that you thought you were strong in.
you have doubt about who you are. It also means we do not need to attack other people. When Christ questioned people and really made people stop and think, he never got really personal in the way that we talk about nastiness. But he challenged them. He challenged what they, what they were, what they said they were and what they actually were. Because there needs to be alignment with how we act and what we say. And that was when he would really challenge and he would cut to that place. And some responded and said, oh my God. Some fell to their knees. Some said, this man knows me. And others ran and said, we've got to kill this guy. Our heritage in Christ is one of infinite love, faith, hope, grace, mercy, and forgiveness. I'm immensely proud of my heritage. Some of you might have heard the, um, the talk we gave on Mother's Day. But like many people in this room, when it, when it comes to things like preparing a pepeha, it's difficult. Because my ties in India are very deep and very strong, but I am not Indian heritage. My ties to New Zealand are very deep and are very strong, but I am not tangata whenua. My ties to, to Scotland are very deep and very strong, and there are things and stories there and stories about England that resonate. I grew up learning the stories, learning the myths, learning um, the, about the, even how the expressions of faith in my history, and I've just been making my kids listen to um, some fantastic Gaelic psalms, um, which are quite reminiscent of, funnily enough, some of the Rarotongan um, worship as well. Yet, I don't really see any of those one places as my home. But Christ has gone to prepare a place for me, and he's gone to prepare a place for us. In the Father's Faranui, there is room for all of us. And so now the, um, we respond. When I come to church on Sunday, I know I will meet the Lord. I'm coming into his presence. I look forward to this time so much. It's a chance to reset, a chance to remember, and it's a chance to be together. And I really love, I just love looking out and seeing so many friends and people I know I can call on when things are, are tough. And um, I hope that they can feel the same way. Um, in Te Ao Māori, there's the idea of the ahika. It's the idea of keeping the home fires burning that through whakapapa they can claim rights to the land by showing continuous use over a long period of time. And this is how we um, still, in a way, go through and make the treaty decisions. We look back 
upon the, the story of the ahika rather than the literal ahika. Traditionally, they would bury the bark of a tree that had a slow-burning gum in it so that when they went away and they returned, they would know where it was and they could blow on it and the fire would reignite and they could um, take settle, um, make settlement again and take shelter. So knowing where that ahika was buried was a way of showing that this was your, your land if it had been vacant for a while, if you'd been traveled for a wedding or traveled away for any reason. You would also use that and blow on it and make it blow big if people were coming to let them know this land is settled, people live here, this is, this is taken. You are welcome to come, but on that understanding that you're coming to visit because this land is settled. When the, um, the replica of James Cook's ship came through last year, one of the things that um, some of the local iwi did here in Wellington was um, they went and they set up the ahika and had the flames, the, the smoke burning as a way of saying, this is your tradition and this is our tradition. And a way um, of going, we, we know that this is causing up deep hurts and this is our way of, of responding in the same way that we responded the first time around. We made sure our fires were smoky and big so that you could see this land was settled. We um, know that the Lord our host is powerful and just. And we come through Christ Jesus, through the blood of the Lamb for mercy for grace and for life in all its fullness and peace. We have, may have wandered a little on our way here. We may have lost sight of the path. So now we return and we ask the Lord to breathe on these new and renew these flames. O oh Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I seek. For when your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds to me. O oh Lord, please light the fire that once burned bright and clear. Replace the lamp of my first love that burns with holy fear. So now we come forward and we give our koha, our offering to the Tangata Whenua. We know now that our God is has far more than we could ever give he's he's so much he has given us more than we could ever give back he is the creator he is the sustainer he is our life he is our redeemer yet we bring our gifts we bring our tithes our offerings our lives what do we need to surrender to him today he gave us every good thing what can we give that he hasn't already given us. We have nothing of worth that he has not already given us. But this, in Christ, is the most unusual koha. Because along with the things that we feel we can offer, maybe money, maybe time, our worship, our songs, 
our hearts. He also asks for all our rubbish. He says, get the car basket. Put in all your anxieties, all that rubbish, all the stress, all the stuff as you walked along, the rubbish that you picked up, maybe that got caught on your feet and the soles of your shoes, as you walk through the bushes that maybe caught onto your jersey, your jacket, that you didn't even notice you'd picked up. This is the time. And Christ, with his most unusual welcome, says, give me all your junk, your rubbish, your anxieties, your sins, all the rubbish, put it in there, as well as what you think is good, as well as all the good stuff. There's no way even all the good stuff will cover the costs of our visit, of our stay, of our our rooms that have been prepared for us. But he wants all that rubbish. He is the ultimate upcycler. As the gifts we offer are accepted, we now go forward and hongi. I'm going to get Zoe to come and help me here because she's already in my bubble and will share all my um, my germs. But in these COVID times, we have to kind of reimagine the the hongi a bit. The hongi is intimate; it's close, nose to nose, forehead to forehead, breath to breath. In my experience, it always goes longer than is comfortable <laughs> and um, yeah that was really really times when you feel very very stripped back very very naked thank you as um, I have been in Marais and they have hongied often the Kamatwa will say things to me like, welcome, thank you for coming, thank you for your song, thank you for your gifts. Sometimes a little bit more if he knows a little bit more about me. Um, when you lean in, what does the Father say about you and that uncomfortable nakedness? When, like Adam and Eve, we're really stripped back, we're really exposed. But our Kamatua leans in and he says in that moment, You are loved, you are forgiven, you are pursued, you are valuable, you are special, you are chosen, you are wonderful, you're protected. You are wanted. You are beautiful. You are God's temple. We have now gone through this process of getting to know God again. Hearing and speaking and singing to one another. Him to us and us back to him. 
the deal needs to be celebrated and it's time to feast. Food and celebration. This is what it all comes down to. Um, every time you go to Marai, food is very, very important. Um, and in fact, you know, in India, most cultures, so much happens around the table. They say that, you know, families, when you eat around the table, even once a week, your family relationships improve. Just eating together and not having anything else, just food together in that space. And we know that God is all about food and about feeding us. In Psalm 23, we hear how the Lord sets a table for us in the presence of our enemies. The atmosphere can change at a a food-covered table. There's room for everyone. There's place for reconciliation. There's an invitation for reconciliation, not for fighting. And Jesus loved to feed his people when he was here. He fed them by the thousands, multiple times. He instructed Peter to feed his sheep. He broke bread and drank wine with them at the Last Supper. And then he returned resurrected for the fish course on the beach. Um, His parables often included food. After sharing Kai, after eating together, things are broken down and you're no longer seen as manuhiri. You are no longer guests. The gratitude and acknowledgement of this is shown by service. You start doing the dishes, making the beds, helping prepare the food at future meals. This is what happens at church. You know, the first few times you come along, but you know when people really feel comfortable and feel like this is their place, they start doing the little things first that say, I'm comfortable here. It's things. I'm going to put my cup in the kitchen. And you go, they're feeling more at home. When someone comes in, they say, hi, welcome. Who are you? There's that, that shift of suddenly this is, this, is my, this, is, this is my place. I can do that now. So as we are now brothers in Christ, we are able to go out and share the love, compassion, kindness, justice, and healing with all the things that we have learned from Jesus, from the Father and the Holy Spirit. Yesterday, there was an article in the paper, and it was in, on stuff, and the headline was, New Zealand's uncertain future in a world coming apart at the seams. And as Matt said last week, the world is crying out for hope for love. And we have been given this hope, love, and mercy that we can give away. This is what we carry. It is a movement. So this world coming apart at the seams. In the article, the writer um, spoke how actually it was already coming apart at the seams. It's just being highlighted. All the deficiencies all the corners that have been cut, all the problems that have been swept under the, the carpet, pushed away to the side, are being brought out to the front and cannot be ignored. So we're going to come and eat and be restored and refreshed so that when we go out, we can keep our ahika burning 
You know where your home is. You know who you are. You know whose you are. So you can go out and live a generous life from an identity of, of certainty into a world that's coming apart at the seams. But just a word of warning here. Not all will recognize this grace, peace, and love that you walk in. And oftentimes it will be hard. You'll be challenged to walk in areas that you don't like. Walking counterculturally to the worldly culture. We're going to be forced to make decisions where it's really, really tough. I know the elections coming up are always hard because there's no, no one party that you go, yep, this sits. Because we're in a fallible world. We're in a fallen world. Christ said it would be hard. He said there would be suffering. But he gave us his way of life. And his life is an example. We want to be on the right side of history in his eyes. His eyes are the only ones that matter. So I want you to walk through this week with your home fires burning. But also knowing that it is most important to keep the home fires burning when we're at war. When we're hard pressed to every side. Throughout the war, those were the big signs Keep the home fires burning to encourage those at home to, to help stop them slip into despair and to keep those who are out fighting encouraged that back home the home fires were burning. It's absolutely worth it. And remember, you can always come back and get rid of any rubbish you collect. Sometimes we collect rubbish on behalf of other people we need to remember to pass it on. <laughs> you know, it, we're, we're just a transitionary stop to the rubbish bin. Um, the rubbish bin at the foot of the cross. No, not quite there. Um, as we leave, we re- need to remember that um, some will say, Lord, we ate with you. And he will say, I never knew you. So how do we know that we are his? And how will others know that we are his? By our love for one another, by our fruit. Back to the Kai. In 1766, the Māori prophet Toidora prophesied about the arrival of the Europeans. He said, the name of their God will be Tama Iroro Kutia, the son who was killed. A good God However, the people will still be oppressed. And I feel this. How can this oppression be linked to the fruit? They can see that God is good, but they will still experience oppression. And I want people, when they look at me, to see my good God, not my flawed human ancestry and my flawed humanity. Be they the fruits of the Spirit in my life or fruitfulness in friends or family, fruitfulness um, in the people I share this great news with, I want it to be the Lord's fruit. Ask for the fruit of the Spirit. Ask for the harvest to come in. But remember that even if we still see no fruit, 
no fig tree, no fruit on the vine. I urge you to rejoice in the Lord. For he said, don't worry, ask me. And if we are trusting in him and being obedient to him, then we can keep rejoicing in him. Because even the fruit is actually his problem. It is his gig. He says, he sends his Holy Spirit to deal with that. We are just called to obedience. So as we end, there's some physical food at the back and here for the people who might miss out if they want prayer. Um, There's physical food to celebrate with, to sustain you. And if you need the spiritual food too, if you need um, someone to stand with you as you let go of the rubbish or someone to stand with you as you get ready to, um, to go out and um, be generous to, to maybe put on that big backpack of goodies to give away, um, we'd love to pray with you as well. Just pray. So, Father, we thank you that we are not Manuhiri, that we are your people, that we are Tangata Whenua of your kingdom, Lord, through Christ Jesus. And Lord, I pray that as we go out this week, that we will carry your love, your grace, your generosity, your mercy, your wisdom, all the good things that you have, and that we will be able to share them, that we will be able to give them. Lord, I pray that throughout the week that we will be able to step back, replenish in you, that we can give out again. Lord, we thank you that we can find that replenishing rest in you. And Lord, as we celebrate, we pray that um, you will renew, restore, and remind us of the joy that you bring, the celebration that you bring, and the freedom that you bring. Amen.